Hey, Anna, remember that time a couple of cowboys found Bigfoot? podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all their favorite moments in history. And we're back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Halfway through the month. Yeah, halfway through <laughs> January. We needed the break. It was necessary. A, yeah, well, there was like a lot going on. We just weren't, uh, didn't have the time. So, but yeah, 2023. It's here insane. We, here we are. I cannot yeah. believe it. I um, apologize in advance that our first episode back, I sound sort of thus. It's because I <laughs> definitely have a sinus infection. Cool. Yes, I've already had several in the year 2023. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we're off to a yep. really great start. I fully looked at the weather at the start of this week and went, I will be ill by the weekend. Oh, and yeah. I was correct. Uh-huh. Um, so we're doing the best we can. Which is mm, fine. <laughs> It's you fine. Um, would you like the first drink update of 2023? I would love that. I'm having a cider. A hard cider. Nice. It's delicious. I'm having some water. Mm. I will say right before recording, I went to get Mexican with my friends, so I just had a daiquiri. Oh, you love a daiquiri. I love a daiquiri, but I'm currently <laughs> having water because yeah. I just had a daiquiri. And also, I'm <laughs> ill, so I need a beverage. Of course. Here we are. So, first episode of the year, we are, um, as we always are with me, doing something kind of weird. <laughs> this Don't is know a lot to... of Amanda's favorite, like, general topics to talk about. It's true. It's so. true. Um, so, we are going to talk about the Patterson-Gimlin film. And this is one of those things where if you know what I'm talking about, immediately you're like, ooh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, what on earth is that? Um, so this is the video with the, uh, I would say best evidence we have for Bigfoot. Um, it was Mm -hmm. like the first recorded sighting. Um, best is an interesting word that you've chosen. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Uh (laughs) Um, But also the freeze frame of the Bigfoot looking back is from this video. Yeah, if you've seen anything about Bigfoot ever. You've seen at least a still from this video. It is the most iconic image of Bigfoot. Yeah, if um, you just Google Bigfoot, it's going to come up. Yeah. Right? So so that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about it because the history of how the film came to be, I think, is kind of interesting. And we can talk a little bit about why um, people who believe in it find this to be such compelling evidence. Um, and then also, you know, if we feel the need, talk a little about the naysayers and that as well because oh, that's well, a little we'll part of it oh yeah we'll be talking yeah. <laughs> about it but it's it's i find the whole thing to be really fascinating not just the history around it but the rest of it too so oh, yeah we're it's very about. interesting yeah all right, all right. Let's do it let's get started let's go so roger pattinson is nope. you just said pattinson i did and i <laughs> and roger really sounded like <laughs> i know yeah i'm gonna just start over and okay. it's probably mostly because i'm so stubbed up <laughs> I'm all Let's do up. it again. Okay. <laughs> so, Roger Pattinson... <sighs> <laughs> I can't do it. 
good old one take web over here. Let's, <laughs> let's roll back. Okay, let's go. We can go back to one, back to Patterson. one, reset. Patterson. <laughs> Please keep this in. I probably will. <laughs> it's so good. Because it's really okay. funny. Roger Patterson. I've done it. Nailed I'm going to say his name so much today, so this is an <laughs> active issue. Just say Roger. Just say Roger. I have it in as Patterson through the whole thing, because that's oh, how no. people refer to them. <laughs> okay. um, so he is a, a rodeo performer, actually. Um, and in 1959, he reads an article in True Magazine about Bigfoot. And this is like the first thing that sparks his interest in the subject. Mm-hmm. And then he reads Abominable Snowmen, Legend Come to Life by Ivan T. Sanderson. And the book includes some recent prints and evidence from Bluff Creek in California, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of semi-local to him. And in 1962, he visits Bluff Creek and begins meeting with other Bigfoot enthusiasts and investigators. And he really, like, dives into the... I guess oh, identity of world. being a Bigfoot investigator, you know, yeah, like yeah. he he gets very deep into it. It's a specific um, world. It's a specific yeah. world. It's, very, yeah. it's a cultural moment, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, from 1964 to 1966, Patterson begins searching for Bigfoot, like kind of in earnest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he founds the Northwest Research Foundation, which he uses to raise money to fund his research and expeditions. Um, so that's interesting. Um, I've never really thought about this before, but my question is who donates to an organization specifically meant for finding Bigfoot? Other enthusiasts. Right, but aren't they also most of the time, if they've got that kind of money, maybe also searching for Bigfoot? Um, I just find yeah. that interesting. Like, I've never thought about, like, who are these donors? What are they, What's their life like? Right. How and into we'll, it are they? We'll talk about it more as we go on here talking about Patterson. But um, as you might guess, just by context, a lot of people thought he was kind of a con man. Um, well, sure. And he... When I was reading about him, it's a lot of the words specifically said through which he solicited funds. So who knows if he was always being super honest about what that money was going wow. to. Sure. Um, but well, he that's also, a good point. That's a good point. He also did have a fair few friends in like Hollywood. Um, like he did run in that circle because he's a performer, right? right. So oh, he sure. had some friends that would probably be willing to help and fund he, some he of this probably stuff. Could have- gotten away with just being like i'm working on this new venture do you want and that's about it right yeah yeah or i'm just working on some expeditions i'm gonna do some research yeah Mm -hmm. interesting okay yes um, in 1966, he self-publishes a book, Do Abominable Snowmen of America Really Exist? It's moderately popular. You know, it doesn't make a ton sure. of money, but it's, you know, again it's among the circle. Interest. Yep. Yeah. And then in May of 1967, Patterson starts filming like a docudrama, right? Documentary okay. style movie about okay. cowboys who find Bigfoot. That's, like, the premise. It's, like, these right. two cowboys in California, and they have this, like, um, native guide, of course, and of then, course. like, an archaeologist or something who are, like, helping them track Bigfoot. That's the premise of the... You can't just be looking for a Bigfoot. You also have to impose on other people's cultures. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Um, and he 
it's like loosely based on the story of an of a real expedition that somebody did mm-hmm. in finding Bigfoot. So it's based on this other guy who was also a right. Bigfoot. But it is yeah. um scripted. It's yes. Not, yeah. And it's documentary style. Right. Um, so like, they are actively think, think Blair Witch Project. Yes. They are like actively searching while filming. They're filming in areas that have had real sightings. But they're also um, filming a story that has been yes. scripted. Yes. Yeah. Um this I feel that this is an important note going into this, the the premise Absolutely. that they were doing this, you know. Exactly. Um and he is doing this with his friend who is also a rodeo performer, Bob Gimlin. Um just a, a buddy who he kind of roped into this. The crew on this <laughs> is pretty. Sorry, yeah. he roped into this. <laughs> Unbelievable. Why? It was right there. Yeah, it really wasn't. I just, I walked right into it. You walked right over it. I, I <laughs> You said, okay, moving on. Um, he, This crew on this is pretty small. It's like, I feel like I read it was like nine people, maybe. Yeah, it wasn't that many. I know this from some other docs I've watched. But. Yeah. And um, when we get he- forward here to the actual event that we're going to talk about, it's only him and Bob present. So right. that also gets into it as well. So in October of 1967, Patterson and Gimlin head into the Six Rivers National Forest in Northern California. Uh, they choose this particular region because there were recent tracks and sightings on the Blue Creek Mountain track in this same area mm-hmm. um, on August 28th of 1967 by um, a journalist named John Green, right. which Not I always find Green. delightful when <laughs> do, learning about this. Um, a guy named Rene Dodden. Is that how you would say that? I don't know. Dodden. Sure. Um, he was a Canadian Bigfoot hunter um, uh, who was... Oh, right. That's, that makes sense. That's like a French Canadian Yes. Yeah. Um, and Don Abbott, who was like an archaeologist um, and accredited and pretty well-respected rep- scientist. And he's one of the few um, scientists who gives any sort of merit to Bigfoot research in this time period. So he was relevant sort of in the field, you know. Uh, they drive into the forest on Gimlin's truck. They're hauling and they're hauling a trailer carrying three horses. Because remember, this is supposed to be like a cowboy movie, right? Um, so they have three horses with them throughout this whole thing. <laughs> Just is funny to think about. Yeah, these men and their three horses. These two guys and their three horses. <laughs> uh, so on October twentieth, Patterson and Gimlin are riding on horseback on the eastern bank of Bluff Creek. And sometime between 115 and 140 in that range, uh, they round a corner to a clearing of overturned trees and they see a creature standing on the opposite bank of the creek. Right? Um, before the excursion, Gimlin did not believe in Bigfoot. Flat out. He was just there to do the movie. He was just doing the movie with his yeah. friend. Flat out did not believe in Bigfoot. And he later recalls saying in the moment, oh God, they really do exist. Like fully, he fully, fully believed they had found something at that moment. Right. Right. Uh, Patterson initially estimates that the creature is about six and a half feet tall. Uh, obviously, in later tellings of this story, that expands to like over seven, seven feet. feet eight, yeah, but course. people who have analyzed the film say that it's closer to six to six and a half, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going in and out with a couple of quotes here that are like describing the film and the creature. Um, this says the film shows what Patterson and Gimlin claimed was a large, hairy, bipedal, ape-like figure with short, silvery brown or dark reddish brown or black. They sure. they in different tellings they describe it slightly <laughs> differently, right? Silvery or reddish or possibly black. Who right. knows? Um, hair covering most of its body, and then the weird and interesting part about this is that you don't notice it the first time you watch this clip. Also, if you haven't, I recommend that you watch this clip before going further in this episode, because we're going to talk about a lot of specifics from it. Oh, you definitely got to watch the clip. It's very short. It's like a minute. It's a minute long. It's not very long. Um, But you don't really notice it the first time you watch it. But the longer you watch it, you notice that this thing has boobs. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Like, fully. That are completely covered in hair. Yeah. Which is odd. Um, yes. If we're talking about ape-like creatures, that would not be typical. Um, so that's an important caveat. Yeah, detail. Um, they they nickname it Patty later um, after Patterson's wife, whose name is um, Patricia. <gasps> Patty and they call Patterson her Patty. Oh her yeah, that's name? her name. Her name was Patty Patterson. Poor thing. Yeah, um, but they nickname <laughs> it Patty. Going cool. on, yeah. I, I would have some feelings about that if I were yeah. Patty. Yeah. Like, or maybe really? it is after Patterson, but I, yeah, she gets called Patty frequently, yeah. so. I'd be a little offended. Yeah. Um, so Patterson dismounts from his horse and gets out his camera. He says, cover me to Ginlan and starts to, like, approach the creature who is walking along the bank. So it is moving as they are moving, right? Yeah. Um. Gimlin gets out his gun and crosses the creek on horseback. He does not have intention of shooting it, but he does well, want to be defended. They're attacked. Right. right. Um, he rides up and what did I write here? I was writing this while listening to somebody espouse a lot of garbage. So um, <laughs> that's supposed to say follows. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Um, I have to fix it now, but my keyboard is all kinds of in weird places. Got it. Okay, so he get, he rides up and follows Patterson's path, you know, on the opposite bank for a while. Uh, eventually, he dismounts with the gun and just sort of hides out. The creature keeps walking away from them. Uh, he's about 120 feet ahead of them. And Patterson starts filming while he's running towards her. And he starts filming steadily when he's about 80 feet away. So the beginning of the film is really, it's shaky. You can see it in the trees as he's like running, but it's not stable because he's running. Um, And then he finally stops and gets to film it for a little while. Uh, And the creature looks over her shoulder. It's very famous frame 352. If you are into this at all, you know that that's the number. (laughs) Um, She looks over her shoulder and continues walking further into the ridge. She disappears for a few seconds, and then Patterson moves to follow her for a little longer. Um, he films for a few more seconds before the creature rounds another bend and disappears from view, and then his reel of film that he had in the camera at the time runs out as he's following. Um, hold on. I found another typo, and then I made another typo. <laughs> the entire film is only 59.5 seconds long. It's filmed at 16 frames per second, so it's a little funny looking. Um, it's just a little bit slow because of the 
rate that, that it was looks filmed like at. It's in slow motion, right? But that's it's just the rate that it was filmed yeah. at. Later analysis of this has proved that that has it doesn't really have any real effect on it. Right. Um, aside from just making it a little more difficult to study because it's at a slightly awkward frame rate. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it is. And then the rest of this is the story from their perspective, obviously. Gimlin follows the creature on horseback for a little longer before it eventually gets too far ahead and he loses it around a bend. And this entire moment only lasts for about two minutes. From the time they see it to the time they lose it, it's only about two minutes long. Um, Patterson gets out a new roll of film and he films the tracks that were left Mm -hmm. behind. So that is another... Yes. Piece of video evidence you can see um, is filming the tracks that were there. Uh, They track her for between one and three miles. Again, accounts vary um, before they lose her prints in some heavy undergrowth. Um, They're not able to see them anymore. They return to their campsite and they get plaster so that they can go back and make casts of the footprints. And they are some of the best quality Bigfoot print casts still to the day um, that have ever been created. Mm -hmm. Uh, They made one of each foot, so they have a left foot and a right foot. They leave their campsite after making their casts and arrive at a variety store in Willow Creek at about 6.30 p.m. um, because they want to, like, get in touch with some people. Yeah. Um... Patterson drives to Eureka, a nearby town, and ships the film to his brother-in-law, Al Diatli, uh, to have it developed. Because, uh, again, he wants it out there pretty much as soon as possible. He also um, tries to get in contact with that scientist to say, well, like, will you come out and help us analyze this? And, like, right. can we get a search team? Can we get dogs? And the scientist is like, no. no. Um, so that <laughs> doesn't a, that happen. That would cost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they call the Times Standard newspaper to report the incident, and they return to their campsite. Very early the next morning, it starts to rain, so Gimlin goes out and covers the tracks with bark to try and preserve them so the rain doesn't wash them away. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had planned to stay and continue to like track it and look for more evidence, but they're worried that the rain is going to wash out their exit from their campsite. Right. So they leave that day. So that's the event. That's what happened, the the big event. Um, so let's talk a little bit before we talk about what comes next about the film itself. Mm-hmm. So um, after the fact, when they tell stories, like they tell of their account, Patterson and Gimlin have s- some inconsistencies, um, but none that are super extreme. It's like inconsistencies you would expect from two be- t- different people telling the same story. Well, human memory is not perfect. Exactly. And like the longer you're away from the event, mm-hmm. the less you remember it. That's why the creature seems taller every time he tells the story. <laughs> right. It's like when you when somebody is telling their fish story and the fish gets bigger exactly. every time they catch it. Yeah. Bigger every time. Yeah. Um so there are some inconsistencies. That's why it's like they describe the color of the hair differently sometimes. And they're not exactly sure what time it was when they saw it, but they know what time it was when they get back into town. So they make some estimations and they weren't well, and the really tracking. Of events doesn't really change. The That's major the hits thing. are always the same. The um, description of the seeing and what they were doing is pretty similar um, throughout. So it's, 
uh, skeptics are like, oh, their stories are inconsistent, but believers are like, well, that's to be expected. Well, listen, spectator, or, um, what's the word? Skeptic? Skeptic or believer. It... That doesn't have anything to do with it, I think. Like, I agree. There are stories. This is true of any incident. Your I memory agree. of it is never... I was literally telling you a story right before we started recording. And could I remember... Every... This was from earlier today. I couldn't remember every detail of what I was telling you. Right. And it was like a significant Thing. Like, event in my day. So <laughs> human memory is it's just normal. perfect. It's normal, yeah. You know? Um, This quote... Um, sums up this particular issue pretty well, I think. Uh, A more serious objection concerns the film's, quote, timeline. This is important, not less the timeline of when they saw the creature, but after the fact. Mm. Um, This is important because Kodachrome 2 movie film, which is what he was using, as far as is known, could only be developed by a lab containing a $60,000-plus machine. And the few West Coast labs known to possess one did not do developing over the weekends. This was a Friday that this event happened. He shipped it off on his on a Friday. His brother would have gotten it probably on Saturday because um, they weren't that far out from that area. Um, Patterson's brother-in-law, Al the Outley, claims not to remember where he took the film for development or where he picked it up. Um, so some people think that the, the the other thing is other people to ha- take issue with the timeline because they think it is too tight in terms of how long it would have taken them to get out of the woods to the general store and then for him to get to Eureka. Yeah, um, I mean, it, they, th- they think if the event had happened a couple hours earlier or even a day before, it would make more sense. Um, but people have tried to recreate it and it is tight, but it is doable. Mm. You know, um... With the timeline that they laid out. That's so, hard to prove, too. Like, if we were to try to do it now, you know, try to recreate that timeline of events, it's not going to be the same. No. Because the environment will have changed yes. in all that time. So, Well, the site where this happened has been thought to be lost for years. They found it, they found it again, like in the tens i think like sometime recently um was it rediscovered because of how much um growth and stuff has changed in that forest because it's a national forest it's protected so like there's um, no way to know there's no way to know for sure exactly if, with the specific doable. conditions that they were in and yeah. you can never recreate because it, it wasn't like it wasn't like he they were in a city going from point a to point b where you can look at traffic and you know, can you get from A to B in X amount of minutes? It's very different when it involves the woods and a campsite uh-huh. and getting into town, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, so in these... 1967 or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, it's very yes. different. <laughs> so these next couple of points are a couple of things that supporters, like, compare or talk about with this film to say, this is why it can't be a hoax. Um, or here's the big thing with this film is that in all the years that we've have it, we've had it, it has never been, no one has ever been able to 100% discredit it ever. Right. It has been studied by several different scientific organizations, all of which say that they personally believe it to be a hoax, but have no way to prove that it was a man in a well, suit. 
here's the thing. You can't disprove it, but you also can't prove it. That's exactly. the problem. Yes. Right? <laughs> uh, but there are enough um, things that they should be able to disprove that they can't. That mm. is what makes it continue to have support, right? Sure. So let's start with the the actual figure itself, the, the Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> so supporters of the film compare the Bigfoot in the video to ape suits from the 1968 film Planet of the Apes. Sure. It came out the year after, and it was cutting-edge special effects and costuming in 1968. This is the best in the business at the time. And if you look at images side-by-side of that, from that movie, and of the creature in the video, the movie looks like garbage. Yeah. (laughs) there, There is no way that it was an ape suit made by like those people. He would have had to have it perfectly and beautifully tailored made with technology that didn't really exist at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, The the big thing when people study it is that even in a suit and the suits of that time, they would not have been able to recreate the movement of muscle under the skin that you can observe in the creature in the video. Um, so like the way that the tendons move and, um, the gait and stuff like that, like professional actors and, um, like Disney, Fox, um, MGM, like all of these people have studied it and all of them have said with the technology at the time, there was no way we could have recreated that video. Right. So... He was filming a video, a movie, right? So there's this thought that he probably had a Bigfoot suit for the movie. So he probably used the Bigfoot suit in the video. But a Bigfoot suit that he would have had for the movie would not have looked like that. Wouldn't have looked as good. Right. I think today we could make a suit that looks like that. Well, yeah, of course we could. <laughs> but even the the muscles, that's the trick, right? That's the thing that's kind of hard, really, Making it's hard it to disprove. actually look like... It's um, moving. A human, basically. Yeah. Like, and then you think, you know, maybe they put some special effects on the film. But again, no. special effects at the time were not to that point. No, no. Um, this is a quote from Bob Gimlin, like in an interview that I read from him while I was researching. And he said, if they've ever heard of Bill Munns, who was a special effects man in Hollywood for 30 some years... Um, he went into the film footage to prove that it was false. After he studied it for so long, he said, I was the best there was in special effects. He, and he said, I couldn't have come up with anything close to a man in a suit that looked like that. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Um, and reading about other studies of it, at least from the film perspective, all, all across the board, all of them said there's no way we could have recreated it something like that. It would have been like really, really difficult for these like two guys and the budget that they had to put together something like that like almost impossible in their circumstances right right unless they were like secretly really really good at this stuff yeah which which, also feels unlikely were but it yeah it doesn't seem likely um i will also note here like while we're talking about this it gimlin believes it both of them have never ever given well, anything no, about a hoax right believe it. Yeah. gimlin fully believes this he has w- much more recently said you know if bob or if um robert set up 
all of this, not Robert, Roger, Roger. whatever. <laughs> if Roger set up all of this, it was so convincing that I would, ha- I never would have known. Yeah, like, it seems too elaborate. It, yeah. You know, for him to have set it up. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that somebody else on their crew maybe didn't. Like, that is certainly a possibility mm-hmm. that somebody on their crew was like, I'm going to mess with them, you know? Mm-hmm. It's possible. Um, but I don't think that... It, if it's not real, I don't think that these two guys are the reason. Does that make right. sense what I'm and saying? And if it is one of them, it would be Patterson for me. Yeah, but Gimlin I... didn't. Again, it's like, yeah. who puts in that much effort? Especially if you actually want to find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he... This guy doesn't seem like he was just trying to like he Patterson bought in right he, yes he didn't seem to be the kind of person who was like doing this to make, make a bunch of money off of this yeah like he just, well he actually believed he and another to find it another thing I was reading about skepticism towards Patterson specifically was that there is some, not thorough, but some evidence that he might have faked evidence before, but that faked evidence was photographs, and they believe that he did it to try and get money from a rich investor mm. to convince him that, like... Yeah, which, I okay. Yeah, sure, to I then fa- further his whatever. Which is, you know, a fair enough reason to say that maybe this was faked by him, too, I just don't know, like, logistically how he could have... That would done. work. That's a lot. That's a lot for yes. one person for the sake of... Y- y- he would have had to spend twice as much as he could have made off of this you yes. know, to make that happen, right? So, yes. I don't know. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the prints because they mm-hmm. were the best ever preserved at the time you know um so this i I was reading another article that was talking about evidence and stuff like that and in that article they um interviewed i didn't catch his first name but his last name is brackman he's one of the hosts of finding bigfoot right um and this quote is him talking about the foot itself Mm -hmm. so it says uh the trailing leg of the creature shows a great uh, shows a great flexibility in the foot Brackman said, there are a few frames where we see Patty take her heel off the ground, but yet keep the entire forefront in touch with the ground, which you wouldn't really see in a suit at that time, especially. No, it's like how a human moves their foot. Exactly. Um, Along with the footage of Patty were a clear track of prints that were captured um, by photo and later cast. These footprints exhibit the flexibility Brackman was explaining. It's a unique characteristic that Professor Meldrum has researched for years. One of the footprints showed a very distinctive pressure ridge, a push off that comes at a comes about as a result of a very flexible midfoot. He said, "Yeah, like we have those in our yes. feet. Um, a lot of casts of Bigfoot feet, whatever, fail to include that. Um, but in the cast that they have, it's very defined, and in the video, you can see it being used." Which is another one of the reasons that right, people yes. are convinced that that is the footprint legitimate. lines up with the motion. The motion the in the video, figure in the, in the video. Yes. yes, yeah. Again, that that would be significantly easier for them to fi- to fake than Absolutely. the. If it's um, just a person in a suit, that's easy to fake that. Then right, like yeah, yeah. yeah the footprint totally. would be very easy to f- fake. It's the video footage of the. Of the creature at the time it was taken, that is harder to disprove. Right. 
Um, all right. So unless you have any other comments or thoughts about the the video itself, I was going to talk a little more about like the after the fact. I mean, I, man, thoughts about the video. I don't know. I my thought is I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's my thought about the video. I don't know. Well, I, the the thing about cryptids is that de- by are. definition, buckle up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> by definite, the definition of a cryptid is a creature that cannot be proven or disproven. Right, right. It is impossible to prove that it is real or that it does not exist. There is not enough evidence in either direction. That's that's why we have that classification for mm-hmm. creatures. Um People have sightings, people have encounters. Occasionally we get footage, um, very rarely. Um, and so it's it feels impossible to say. I think of the quote-unquote Bigfoot evidence that exists in the world, I think that it is, I think that it's very convincing. When you, it's much more compelling than anything else that I've seen. Yes. And when you read into how it couldn't have been faked, I find that more compelling than the theories on how it could. I guess. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that I find that more compelling just because, um, you know, if you believe something is real, you're always going to find a way to believe in it. To well to say well this is how it can't possibly be fake right right so you know I, I just can't buy in either way that's uh-huh. the, the problem so I don't know it's, I I also just find it so interesting because if it was faked it is hands down the best hoax oh, in yes. history absolutely because it is so meticulously and thoroughly done 100% that's absolutely true and if it is a hoax the fact that it has gone this long without being like completely caught that's the best hoax in history right yeah like that it has lasted so long uh huh that's very impressive if it is a hoax yeah i just think the longer you look at it and the deeper lens you look at it under it's like well that doesn't make sense but that does you know like one of the other so it's like but it could be so many things one of the other things that like people say to discredit it is that the footprint doesn't really match up with the gait that that like the weight distributions and the size of the creature itself but then you think to yourself well the video was so basic would we really have been able to tell and there's you know the laundry list goes on and on and i just think it's really interesting well it's just another one of those those reasons though it's like it really it could have been so many things mm-hmm. right there's just no way to know yeah so. I, and i also find this one particularly interesting because you think about your mothman you know yeah, and sure. there are some uh there are plenty of theories about animals it could have been right um very legitimate thoughts right. about animals right. that they could have seen still not ones that completely explain it away again that's the whole thing is that nothing completely explains it away that's why it holds up um over time as, as a creature a flying creature it could be a lot of things right this, there is no other animal that that video could have been displaying yeah, i mean you know the closest would probably be a bear in right that, in that um environment 
but it doesn't another, look like a bear. Uh, yeah, and it's standing thing on with its hind legs the... and walking in a way that a bear would not walk. Right. Right. And like its l- arms are too long, and the shape of its skull yeah, is I mean, incorrect. It's, it's and... not a bear. Right. You don't look at that and go, "That's a bear." You know? And it's not like it's poor quality video of a bear, or no, that. No, no. If it were poor quality video of a bear, you'd still be able to tell it's a bear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's. I. I just find it fascinating. Yeah, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I'm not convinced either way, but is it much more fun to believe that it's real? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's way more fun <laughs> to think that there's a whole like species that, um, that our forests are complex enough to hide a whole species of creatures. I think is yeah. delightful. Well, and a lot of these cryptids are actually like, you know, pieces of native American culture. Mm-hmm. So you know. there are, um, ape men you know myths across the world yes you know the abominable the abominable snowman is the exact same concept um yeti yeti yeah Yeah. we what oh what's the we have a word for bigfoot that's not the sasquatch no it's different there's a specific one to west virginia that i can't think of oh um uh uh-oh we should both know that yeah (laughs) wait pause hold on we're both looking it up I ran out to look at one of my many pieces of artwork of cryptids to see if it had the name, and it didn't. Is it Yowie? That's what. Uh, maybe. Or Yowler, or that's but that's different. The Yowler is different. It's, anyway, it's besides the point. This creature has a mythos in many acro- cultures across the world. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. After filming, sorry, I got distracted. I have so much. I have so many books. And pieces of art about cryptids that I could have gone into any of them to hunt for, but I didn't have, what, the time to do it. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Right. Okay, so, after they film the video and they, like, get away from the campsite and stuff. Um, so they get the film developed, and basically as soon as it is developed, Patterson starts traveling with it. He really really believes that this evidence is so compelling that he will get scientists to agree with him like that is the goal immediately Mm -hmm. when he starts touring it he starts touring it to scientific exhibitions he takes it to like seven in the course of the year because he's trying to get somebody to be like yes you found a new creature you know yeah um well and it's not going to be taken seriously by the world unless scientists say right yes this is real it has obviously very little success. Yeah. And, you know, the people who find it give the same kind of thing. Well, could be one thing, could be another thing. It's not definitive enough yeah. for a scientist to go, yes, you definitely right. got it. Right. Um, Patterson makes a deal with the BBC uh, and allows them to use his footage in a, in a docudrama of their own. Um, and they are letting him tour with the docudrama. Like, that's part of the deal that he makes. Right. Is that he's allowed to travel with it. Um, it kind of mixes material from his own documentary that he was making. Um, and some stuff that him and his brother-in-law, DeAlti, were, had already filmed. Um, and it gets shown in local movie houses across the Pacific Northwest and Midwest. Um, so people in the region see it. Mm-hmm. He, uh, it starts to get like a little bit of attention and he appears on several late night talk shows to discuss it. And that helps get some more like national attention on the film. Right. Um, initially 
Gimlin is around to like help promote the film, but he stops after Pattison and his brother-in-law don't pay him one third of the film's promise or profits like they had promised. Okay, okay. So maybe he is a little bit of a grifter. This yeah, he's a little bit of a con man. Yeah. Um, even if he didn't fake this, he still was like yeah, super. Doesn't help though. Does yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> doesn't help with the whole legitimacy thing. Yeah. Um, so for years he turns down interview requests. Um, also because his wife didn't like the publicity either, so he just doesn't do all that. Um, recently he's become more public again, so any, um, you know, monsters of the whatever TV shows that you see on every channel anymore that they're talking about Bigfoot, um, if they are interviewing someone from this film, it's him. Um, he still doesn't give a ton, but he's been giving more recently. And he still 100% stands by, it was real, whatever we saw, I like, we saw, we discovered a new creature. Well, listen, I believe that he believes it. Yeah. Of course he does. Of course yeah. he does. I'm mm-hmm. not surprised by that at all. Yeah. Can't knock him for it. Yeah. Uh, Patterson continues pouring money into Bigfoot hunting for the next several years. He does several expeditions. Um, people start trying to, you know get him to come over here to look for Bigfoot and whatever, um, try and scam him out of his money by trying to get him to come look for Bigfoot in their different places. Um, and then he dies of Hodgkin's lymphoma in 1972. Hmm. So he did not live for very long after the film. Which again, you think about how like, it's still so relevant today, but he, the the biggest champion of it at the time, died so soon after it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wild for me yeah. to think about. Um, I thought this quote was interesting. A few days before Roger died, he told the Bigfoot book author Peter Brine that in retrospect, he wished he would have shot the thing and brought out a body instead of a reel of film. Huh. Which interesting. many scientists have said, until there is... Yeah. A body. Yeah. We will never be able to fully prove that it exists. Yeah. And so I'm sure they heard that so many times that he probably does wish that they would just have brought back whatever that was so that they would have more concrete evidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Because in the moment, you know, he, Gimlin had his gun out but they he never that pointed it protection, at they though, right? said like, that you know he never pointed it at him that i don't know what it is i can't tell what it is i'm in the woods uh, i have a gun i should probably well have and they had the right? idea of <laughs> like, does it have a mate is that nearby and protective sure. like yeah is it uh you know if you at first think it's a bear maybe you think is it a mom are there cubs nearby is it right. gonna come for me right like there are many reasons you might have a weapon out in that instance um but yeah, the fact that they didn't shoot it tells me they didn't intend to shoot it, right? Right. Like they that they believed that have. it was real and that they didn't right. intend to shoot it, yeah. Right. But apparently they both talked in later years of, man, I wish we would have just I mean, brought I in a body. That's not surprising that yeah. they, they think that. I, yeah. Yeah. I understand that being a, a regret they would have had. But I tell you what, though, I think if they had um, shot whatever it was, um, let's say it wasn't a, a Bigfoot and they shot whatever it was. I don't think the Bigfoot hunting community would have been very hype about that. No. Right? They like wouldn't their have. reputations would have plummeted. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. So. But you really, you really understand why he said that. You know, you get it. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. He, after, and I'm sure just he heard it so many times and like, mm-hmm. oh, if only you had a little bit more or whatever. Right. Um, so because he kind of sucked in life and was uh, terrible to a lot of his business partners, the rights for the film get very litigious, the figuring yeah. all that out. Um, they end up getting split between Patterson's wife and that uh, Renee DeHodden, that um, Canadian Bigfoot hunter, because he ha- was helping a ton with the promotion. He, like, toured it in Europe and had become a big part of the promotion of that. Um, and they, like, one of them has film rights, but the other one has TV rights and, like, weird stuff like that. Sure, sure. And you know who has no rights to the film, despite his name being on it? Gimlin. Gimlin. Doesn't have any rights. He had tried to sue for it at one point and then I think he did get some but ended up just selling it out off to Dehaden. Mm. Um that is wild too because yeah. he didn't even he didn't even go there to find the thing. He was just like doing his buddy a favor and then his buddy uh-huh. cut him out. Yeah. That's It's terrible. It's terrible. Um the original film itself has been lost because it's been through so many, you know, here and there and developed and then, you know, we got to play it and film it and whatever. Uh, There were at least seven copies made of the original, though, and those are, you know, amongst people who were there at the very beginning. Um, But yeah, that's, that is the Patterson-Gimlin film. Very One of those... You know, internet rabbit holes I fall down one day that I just still find so interesting. And one of Because everybody's that seen just... that image, and a lot of people have seen the video. Not a ton, not everybody, but a lot of people have seen the video, too. Yeah. Um, but you'd, you'd never think about all that until you get into it and you read about it. And I just think yeah. it's really interesting. And just another one of those things that I don't think we'll ever know. Yeah, I love it unsolved. I love an unsolved mystery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do and I don't. (laughs) There are a lot of mysteries I really wish we could solve. Yeah. Um, You know, John Benet Ramsey, if we could wrap that one up, that'd be great. That'd be stellar. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Stuff like this, though, it's just like. Some things I'm okay with not. It's really fun to speculate on it. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that I like it so much because it is either spectacular evidence or the most impressive hoax in history either way it's impressive and either way that's amazing (laughs) yeah either way that's amazing yeah um they pulled something off right yes indeed (laughs) um i do in fact have a sawyer joke great uh sawyer read me about six different jokes before picking one because they were all so good (laughs) Okay. Because obviously there's a lot of good Bigfoot jokes. Oh, yeah. This is our new segment, you guys. We don't have a name for it yet. We've done it the last couple episodes. Amanda's partner, Sawyer, has provided us with a joke, which Amanda will now read. We I need a name a f- for the segment if anybody has any ideas. I think a fun name, though a little bit clunky, is my partner's name is Sawyer Joe. So Sawyer Jokes is pretty funny, but it doesn't exactly roll. Sawyer <laughs> Jokes is good. I feel like we need a way to introduce the segment. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's time for Let a Sawyer joke. Think. Okay. Let's do um, legend says that a Bigfoot can grow up to 15 feet, but they usually only have two. Wow. Comedy. 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 <laughs> 
Wow, that was incredible. there were a lot of bangers, you guys. Well, sure. I mean, it, it, look, it's a it's a wealth of jokes. Of you know, there's yeah. a big pool from which to choose. Yes, uh, for this subject. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was a great first episode back. Yes, indeed. New year, same same us, us. <laughs> yet again. Um, I don't know what the next episode is going to be. Listen, you guys, this year is the year we're going to have episodes about Queen Elizabeth II. I'm just not sure when that's going to happen because uh-huh. I'm not sure how much time I'm going to need to dedicate to the research. Right. Um, it will definitely be a two-parter, though, at least. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's going to need to be. Um, yeah, it might be soon because I did just receive prince harry's book in the mail today literally <sighs> when amanda got on the call i was sitting here reading it um so i might be ready to do it next time but i don't know for sure so i'm not gonna make that promise okay uh, <laughs> but it will come this year i promise <laughs> i promise it will happen this year this is the year we get up to date <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's still a lot in the history that we haven't covered and that's okay well but in the line that we've been back, following but- yeah, and, and it is the last one that I'll do because I won't be talking about Charles. No, that simply um, won't be happening. At least not for a while. Definitely not till he's passed and mm-hmm. maybe not for a while after that. We'll see when it happens. Well, who's to um, say? I mean, who knows, man? Unless something drastic happens, um, like he abdicates or something, but I don't know. Um, and I certainly will not be talking about William or Harry in their adult lives. That's, you know... They are technically going to be historical figures, but they're not quite, they're still alive. So I'm not going to. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. So not that we've never talked about people who are still alive before. It's just like, you know, I feel like we don't know. We don't know the whole story yet. Right. So yeah, can't really, can't really talk about that. So anyway, that might be next time. It might not, but just know that it's coming. Um, Yeah. So. If anybody else has any um, topic suggestions they would like to give us, we would love to hear them. We're ready for a new new year, new topics. Um, you can send those to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. And folks, we're not uh, active on Twitter anymore. Um, yeah. I decided in the new year to stop being active on Twitter, which means that the podcast Twitter is also not active because I was the one who ran it. So it's still there. If you want to go back and like find episodes that we've posted there for some reason, you can. Um, but for now, we're not going to be posting on Twitter anymore. So if that's where you usually get your updates about us, just be aware and please come and follow us elsewhere. We are on Instagram at RTTPod. And we're also on Facebook. If you want to just search the name of the podcast, we should come up. Um. Yeah, so that's where we will be. Um, but also make sure you subscribe to us, um, you know, wherever you listen to the podcast so that you will just know when new episodes come out. Um, and we would also really like it if you left us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet other than Twitter, <laughs> everywhere else, I am still at The Real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Woohoo, 2023. 2023. Cheers through the, the Google call. Clink. Clink. <laughs> I did hit my water bottle full onto the computer. <laughs> it is clear, and so everything went purple for a second. It did, yeah. 
Not clear. You know I what didn't, I mean. I didn't hit the computer because I got a nice new computer. Yeah, you got a new fancy computer. Yeah, well, my old one was getting pretty Boston. Um, okay, so we did it, you guys. We're still rambling. Still talking about nothing. Uh, and we sure will be for as we go on. Yes. So until next time. Remember that time.